You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled The Dynamic Duo, Part 3. Enjoy. Father, we thank you so much for a brand new day. We thank you that the past is behind us and that you are before us and that you have gone before us and you're making the crooked places straight and you're causing us to prosper. You're causing us to grow in our relationship with you and you're expanding and increasing us on the inside. We thank you, Father, for accomplishing the things that concern us and working all things out for our good. We thank you for your will done in our lives just as it is in heaven. We thank you for healing and setting free and delivering today in the glorious name of your holy child, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in the midst of a series entitled The Dynamic Duo. And we're, we're talking about you and the Holy Spirit. You and the Holy Spirit together are a dynamic duo that is infinitely better than Batman and Robin. And speaking of Batman and Robin, what do you call it when a Christian leaves church early? Excuse me, what do you call it when Batman? Oh. Excuse me, yeah, what do you call it when Batman leaves church early? Anyone know? Christian Bale. That's the guy who played Batman, you know. So you can thank my barber for that joke. That was good. Yeah, so you and the Holy Spirit are a dynamic duo. We have a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it's characterized by constant change, constant activity and progress. The Holy Spirit is constant in our lives. He never sleeps. He never gets tired. And he's faithful to constantly transform us, to be working in us even when we're sleeping, fixing what needs to be fixed, changing what needs to be changed. He's actively working in us daily, and he's seeing to it that we're making progress in him, that we're going forward in God's good plan for our lives. He's faithful to do, to fulfill his responsibilities, to lead us into all truth. And our relationship with the Holy Spirit is characterized by a positive attitude. When you enter into a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will permanently turn your frown upside down. He puts a smile on our face that nothing can erase, and it's so good. So we, we count it all joy. Whatever situations or circumstances we might be facing, we face them with joy because we know that God is for us. We know that God is working all things out for our good. We know that he's causing us to triumph in him. These are things we know because we've read his promises. We're in relationship with him. We put our faith in him. So we rejoice in the Lord at all times. We're happy people. We're, we don't complain about anything. We have no reason to complain, regardless of how people may have treated us or what might be going on in the world around us. Our confidence for a bright future, for our needs being met, is in Him. It's in our shepherd, not in the way that people have treated us. Hallelujah. And this relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's characterized by strength. 
We're full of energy. We're full of strength. You can keep what Romans 8.11 up there. Look at this. This is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It says, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Do you believe that? I encourage you to start believing it today if you don't. The Holy Spirit is in you, infusing your mortal body with strength. Whew. Get up and say that. Get up and meditate on that. Thank you, Father. You're infusing me with strength today. Your Spirit is in me, providing every cell and tissue and organ and system of my body with life. The supernatural life of God. It's part of our relationship with Him. Our relationship is characterized by energy and strength. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear will make you weak, won't it? Anxiety, fear, worry. But He's given us the spirit of dunamis. That's what it is in the Greek. That's where we get our word dynamite from. Power. Dynamic comes from the same word. He's given us the spirit of power, of strength, ability, and of love, and of a sound mind. Boy, how people are looking for sound mind today, mm -hmm. right? And the medication and the different things they're taking to try and have a sound mind, it's available to you through simple faith Amen. in God and what Christ has done for you, right? He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you, God, for sound mind. Everyone in here, thank you for peace in every mind in this place. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for soundness of mind, peace of mind, each and every day. Thank you, Lord God. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength, right? And in His mighty power. And this relationship, this dynamic relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, it's characterized by new ideas. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. So as we're interacting with the Holy Spirit, we're listening to Him as we get up and go throughout our day, He leads us, He gives us answers. He gives us solutions to the different areas of our lives. He'll see to it that you'll have the information or the answers, the solutions that you need to solve the problems that you're facing. He'll provide you. And, and, and if not always directly, many, many times he will give you a promise, a scripture to, to put your faith in that will turn the whole situation around. Hallelujah. Dynamic, the Holy Spirit, we've learned in this series so far, that he realizes nothing is more powerful than faith-filled words. So he will lead you in your relationship with him to change the way that you talk and to begin to speak faith-filled words. And boy, when you start to do that, watch out. That's when things become dynamic, is when we begin to say out loud in the presence of ourselves, we say it so we can hear it, the promises of God with our mouths, and we believe them in our hearts.
That gives the Holy Spirit the right of way to operate in our lives. Hebrews 4.12, the word is quick, it's powerful. And the God that we serve is perfect in power. There's nothing the Holy Spirit can't do. In fact, we serve a God who speaks things into existence. Isn't that powerful? He, He speaks and it becomes. All right, finally, we're getting to the point I wanted to get to for the last two Sundays. And it's this. We're going to look today at the connection between our words, the words that we speak and believe, and how much the Holy Spirit is able to operate in our lives. Wow, is there a connection? Yeah. And people kind of think God is on autopilot. And then he just does whatever he wants to do. And then if it doesn't happen, it's not God's will. And if it does happen, it's God's will. The Bible doesn't teach that. There are a lot of things going on in the world that are not God's will at all. There are a lot of things God wants to do in the world that haven't happened. Okay? We want to see why is that. So our words can either limit or stop the Holy Spirit from operating in our lives, or they can pave the way for him. They can give him the right of way to do what he longs to do. Now, when I start talking like this, there are some believers that hear this kind of talk. You say, what do you mean? You're saying you can limit God? Who do you think you are? You can limit God? Are you saying you're greater than God? Don't you know that God is sovereign? How could you ever say something like that? And I understand the, 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 the feedback and the, 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 that perspective. But what we're doing today is, is we, we certainly recognize that there's no one greater than God. And he is Adonai, Jehovah, the sovereign Lord. But what we're doing is recognizing the sovereign Lord's sovereign design for us. Let me show you what I mean. Well, let's see. Before we go there, let me, let me say this to you. The sovereign Lord, the beginning, the end, the one who, who was, is, and ever shall be, he made a sovereign decision to make you in his image. Yeah. In his likeness. He made you free. And we're all made free. Our founding fathers, right? The founding fathers of America, they recognized that freedom wasn't something, a privilege that a government gave you. It's a God-given thing, right? So God has made us in his image free, which means we, we can say and do whatever we want to. It's true. I can leave here today and go out and just spray paint the mall if I wanted to. I'm free to do that. I can choose to say and do whatever I want. Isn't that amazing? Why did God make us free? Well, one of the reasons is that God is love, real love. And if you want to experience real love, you need real freedom. If you're in a relationship where someone tries to manipulate you, it's very difficult to experience love in a relationship like that. 
If I love my wife, I shouldn't have to manipulate her to get my way. I shouldn't have to deceive her or force her. That's not a loving relationship. I want my wife to choose to love me of her own free will. That's when love takes off, right? Have you ever thought about the foresight of God? I mean that he didn't create us to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters. How much wisdom does it take? How much foresight do you need to create free beings in your image that will continue to multiply? You've got to take into account all the possibilities, all the ramifications of that. You know, if you've ever built anything or put anything together, you're thinking about what are the results of this when I'm done. And God knew the end from the beginning. He knew everything that would happen. There are things, he never wanted Adam to separate himself from him. He never wanted sin in the earth. He never wanted sickness in the earth. That was never a part of his plan. But God in his wisdom, real love, made a sovereign decision to make us free. He calculated the risk and decided that real love is worth it. And before you are born and made any of the mistakes you made, God made provision for you. It says in Revelation 13.8, talking about Jesus, that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, which means God made provision for every mistake that man has made through his son, Jesus Christ. You guys ever seen the movie The Gremlins? It's an 80s hit. Steven Spielberg, I think. Yeah, we just saw that a little while ago. I hadn't seen it for a long time. But in the movie The Gremlins, this, uh, this dad gets his son this gift for Christmas. It's this little furry creature. Kind of, I don't forget what it's called, a magua or something. But there are some rules about this little furry creature. Real cute, real friendly, but you can't get it wet. And you can't feed it after midnight. I forget what the, oh, light. It doesn't like light. So if you get it wet, it multiplies like crazy. And then if you feed it after midnight, the ones that you feed turn evil. And the, the, the kid had no idea of what the ramifications were of having this pet. And he was warned by the guy who saw it. He said, don't. This, this is very important that you follow these instructions. But his dad, and they didn't realize the ramifications of it, that they would multiply and the evil. And they, they ended up destroying this little town, wreaking havoc in this town. But I want you to know that God understood and knew that because we were free, we could wreak havoc in the world. But that didn't stop him from making us because he made a provision for our sin that's greater than the destruction that's come about because of sin. In other words, the, the, the provision of God can take the worst of lives and transform them into the best of lives. It can take the worst marriage and transform it into a paradise. His grace is so powerful. It's greater than the mistakes we've made. So it was God's desire from the beginning that we would imitate him, right? Let's look at this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Don't put it up yet, Eden. A couple of scriptures before we go there. Genesis chapter 1. So why did God make us in his image? Well, he wanted to be, he wanted to be our father. 
He wanted us to be his sons and daughters. He wanted to, us to look to him to learn how to live, to imitate him, right? Well, how does our God live? How does he operate? Well, Romans 4.17, you can put that one up. Romans 14 says, this God who made us, this sovereign Lord, is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. That's a powerful description of our Father. And if you look in, in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26, but earlier in Genesis 1, you'll see in verse 2 that the earth had become uh, formless, chaotic, and void, and that darkness was over the face of the deep. God didn't want that. It was not as he wanted it to be. And what did he do in verse 3? He spoke. And he said, light be. And as he spoke his faith-filled words, light became. There's no sun, no stars at that point. The light that filled the earth was the power of his faith-filled words. Hallelujah. And he made us in his image to speak forth his will in the earth, to speak to situations and circumstances that aren't according to his will. Let's take a look at this in Genesis chapter 1. And remember our point that, that our words can limit the Holy Spirit or pave the way for him to operate. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and following. Let's read them together. You can look on the screen if you'd like. And the sovereign Lord God said, right, let us make man in our image. Wow. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. See, God's not trying to take anything away from you. God empowers you, not takes things away from you. Let them have dominion basically over everything in the earth, right? Verse 27. So God created man, he says it again, in his own image. And he says it again, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Three times in a verse and a half, God tells us that we were made in his image and likeness. How important is it to him that we know that? Our frame of reference for who we are should be him. So many people are trying to figure out who they are and what life is all about. It's about Him. You will discover who you were made to be when you begin to behold Him. Verse 28, And God blessed them. He spoke to them and said to them, Be, just like He said, light be right? Be fruitful. He was empowering them. Multiply, replenish, subdue the earth, have dominion over the earth and everything that moves on it, right? Now look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Boy, this is powerful. Verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God, that's Jehovah Elohim in the Hebrew, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life 
and man became a living soul. Now, there are some rabbinic translations, of, because it was written in Hebrew, of this verse from the Kumash, the Targum Jonathan, and the Targum Onkelos, that translate this verse this way. And man became a speaking spirit or a discoursing spirit. What does it mean to discourse? When God made us, he gave us the ability to reason unlike any other creature. Reason on the inside and then to speak forth our conclusions. Animals can't do that. He made us in his image to do that. Why did he do that? Because our words produce things. He gave us the ability to produce death or life with our words. Proverbs 18, verse 20. Let's look at that. Proverbs 18, verse 20. With the fruit of a man's mouth. When you go to the grocery store, what, sec what section is the fruit in? The produce section, right? Mm -hmm. With the fruit, the produce of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product produce, product of his lips. You see, our heart's a factory that manufactures what we believe and our mouth produces it. Death and life, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue. That's why we don't complain. That's one of the reasons. We don't whine. We don't complain. We don't say, oh, I know, it's not, oh, I've seen this before, and it's going to be this way. And, oh, you know how that's going to be. No way. We speak life over our family, over our job, over our friends. When our mouth opens, life comes out. We're producing life as God's sons and daughters in the earth. Now, what did we say earlier? Our words can limit the Holy Spirit, or they can give him full right of way in our lives. Jesus said something very powerful in Mark chapter 7. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 7. Jesus taught this. Verse 13, he's, he's rebuking the religious leaders of the day. You imagine that? They're, 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 they're staring God in the face, and they're, they're, they're trying to challenge and correct him. And he says this. Listen to this. This blew my mind when I first read this many years ago. Mark 7, 13, Jesus is talking. He says, you're making the word of God. This is the same word that put the stars in the heavens. The same word that said light be. He said, you're making the word of God, which is limitless in power, of no effect. Wow. Through your tradition which you have handed down. In other words, they had beliefs and things that they did that were not of God, and they taught others to do them. Can you relate to that? I grew up in a church like that. 
They taught me all kinds of their traditions. Didn't help me at all. But boy, if you didn't do them, you'd get in trouble, right? And many such things you do. How can you make the Word of God, which formed the universe, of no effect? See, people don't understand. They say, you can't say something like that. Well, Jesus did. Now, understand, we're not saying you can take power away from God. God's perfect in power. We can't make God any less God. We can't sap him of his power. We can't lessen his power. But what Jesus is saying is that we can stop or hinder the power of his word from affecting us. You understand that? Or we can lessen the effect of his word in our lives. And boy, I've seen that in my life. And we see this throughout the scriptures. We see his people, Israel, back in the Old Testament. He never wanted them to be slaves. But because of their own words, their own unbelief, their own ungodly traditions that they developed, the worship of idols. They put themselves into slavery and bondage, into captivity. And, and God delivered them out of Egypt. But even, and it was God's plan to take them out of bondage, out of Egypt, about a six-week journey into the promised land. You know how long it took them to get there? Yeah. Forty years. You know why? Because of their mouth. If you look from, from the moment they, they came out of Egypt and you trace their journey, it didn't take them long. I mean, God parted the sea. God, God just brought, you know, allowed, he didn't bring, he allowed plagues to come upon the Egyptians, which, which were symbolic of the gods they worshipped. He withdrew his hand from them. And within days, Israel began complaining. Complaining, whining. It got to the point that they had whined and complained, even, even talked Aaron into making them a, a golden calf. You remember that? Then Numbers 14, let's take a look at this. Numbers 14. Now Psalm 78, 41 says they limited the Holy One of Israel. Now God was still perfect in power, but they limited what He can do in their lives. Numbers 14, verse 26. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. Say unto them as truly as I live. Now they were on the threshold of the promised land at this point. God said, Go in and take it. But they wouldn't do it. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as who has spoken? You. Yeah, you have spoken, not me. I didn't want this to happen. This was not my plan. But as you have spoken repeatedly, persistent, over and over and over again, right? In my ears, so will I do to you. Their repetitive, negative words stop the will of God in their lives. Right. And only Joshua and Caleb, only those two out of that generation actually entered into the promised land because they didn't, they didn't speak like the others spoke. They spoke faith, right? So, man, this is way important in our dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit that we change the way we talk. 
And as you begin to speak God's promises over your life, it gives the Holy Spirit the right of way to operate in your life and to do the things that he's longed to do for so many years. And Jesus demonstrates this, and boy, I love this scripture. We got two to go before we get to it. Let's look at John chapter 12. Hang with me, we're almost done. John chapter 12, verse 49. This is Jesus talking. He's our role model, right? He's our hero. He's the one that we look to. And he's speaking. He's the word of God in the flesh. In John chapter 12, verse 49. And look what he says. Boy, this is insight into this dynamic relationship. He says, I've not spoken of myself. I didn't come to earth to bring some new doctrine. But the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment which I should say, excuse me, what I should say and what I should speak. So God the Father taught Jesus how to speak. You'll see that in Luke when he was a boy at age 12. He's in the temple learning. said he grew in wisdom and stature. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Let's get a hold of what he just said here. He said, I didn't come speaking my own words, but the Father taught me what to say. And because I know that his words produce life everlasting, therefore I speak them. You see that? I know the results of speaking his words, therefore so I speak. You see that? It wasn't religious duty. He knew the benefits of it. He knew his father. He knew the results of speaking his word. John 8, 28. Just go back a few chapters. John 8, 21. Excuse me, 8, 28. Then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And this is the verse I've been waiting to get to, John chapter 3. Are you ready for this? We're going to read it in the Amplified, put it up on the screen. Please follow along. I want you to see it in the Amplified. Wow. This is so good. Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. It's not Jesus talking. but It's describing him and what he did. For since he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Remember what he said? My father teaches me, so I speak. Proclaims God's own message, not his own philosophy, not some new religion or doctrine. God does not give him his spirit sparingly or by measure. But boundless is the gift God makes of his spirit. Amen. Why did Jesus have the boundless Holy Spirit operating in his life because he chose to speak the words of God. If you want the Holy Spirit to flow like a mighty river in your life, choose to speak his words. Don't wait for God to come down out of heaven and change things. Grab a hold of his promises and begin to speak them with your mouth and believe them with your heart. 
I shared with you earlier this, the sicknesses I dealt with as a child growing up. And boy, when I began to read these promises at 19, age 19 and 20, I began to speak to my body. I began to say with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. I spoke to an abnormal disc in my spine. I said, disc, be whole. Be perfectly formed and shaped. It had cracked on me before that. And I said, walls mend and be whole. Be strong, be flexible. I began to speak to my respiratory system and say, breathe freely. Be strong, be whole. And everything began to change inside of me. Not in a day, but as I continued to speak that over a period of, for some things it happened more quickly than others. But over a period of months, I began to notice the things that had plagued me for so long began to grow weaker and weaker and weaker until I was totally free from them. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, you know, I used to, probably when I was about 15, 16 years old, I started imitating some of the friends I hung out with, and I started cursing. Now, I didn't grow up knowing what I'm teaching you today. I didn't know the Bible. We didn't know Jesus in my home. There's a lot of pain and stuff going on in a home that shouldn't go on. But I started saying these nasty words. I didn't think I'd ever do it, but I started doing it. I, mean, I had a filthy mouth. And I became like King, Pop, King Potty Mouth, you know? And I didn't realize it, but I was harming myself. I was cursing myself. I was changing the quality of my life. And boy, things began to happen in my life. And I, and I got involved with, with drinking alcohol like crazy and found myself in places I never thought I'd be, and, and sick and, and just, just a, a mess. And when I got saved, what was interesting is I never consciously said to myself, okay, I need to stop swearing now. I just began to fill myself with the Word. I'd come across the promises of God and the Word, and I'd write them down. And I'd begin to say them over and over and over again and speak them over my life. And as I remember it, it was 1989. I was about 19 years old. I don't think I said a curse word since then. I don't think. And even, you know, if I'd like catch my finger in a door or something like that, I begin to say, oh, God, you're so good. Thank you. Your life is flowing through my hands and my fingers. Amen. Yes, I would begin to speak life right away to that thing. You know, I, 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 a pain shoot through my body sometimes. I'd buckle over. i say, oh, God, thank you for your life flowing through my knees. Thank you for your life flowing through my body. Thank you for your life keeping me whole. Thank you for your strength. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their needs. So our words can build or tear down. Only what is helpful for building others up according to the needs that it may benefit those who listen. So you see, God needs people in the earth who are building up, yes. not tearing down. Yes. Let CNN do the tearing down. We don't speak like that, right? We, 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 we have good reports. Yes. We have good news to share. We have good things to say. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God. Yes. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for good news. So you, you want to speak some good words? I just encourage you to practice. Let's say this. This is just from the Scriptures. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. It was my pains He carried, my sicknesses, and by His wounds, I am healed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's from 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. God's my father. I'm his child forevermore. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Yes, you can clap and give him praise. Now listen, uh, we've, got, we've got some more to do in this series, but next week's Easter Sunday, okay? And we're going to uh, do a message for Easter called the Ugly Duckling. All right? You guys know the story of the Ugly Duckling? What does that have to do with Easter? Well, you've got to come and find out. It's going to be good, all right? So remember to bring someone with you. God is so good. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray right now. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your spirit that has been continually strengthening us from the moment we set foot in here. We thank you. You're ministering to us. You're changing us. You're strengthening us. You're leading us forward in your plan. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. We invite you to take God at His word, embrace who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Put your trust in Him today and taste and see how good He is.